You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Feel free to call in with a call, with a comment, or a question. Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector of the cathedral, along with Mark Teresi, executive director. Mark, that was a wonderful segment with uh, Todd Williamson. Really makes you think and pray. It does. And it, I mean, we all are praying for an end to the Ukrainian conflict because, what is it now, well over one million have left their home in Ukraine, and cities have been just decimated, destroyed, gone, loved ones gone forever, and many that have left are leaving behind the men who are fighting on the front uh, against the Russians. Also, you, you can also get us here on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Uh, part two will continue the discussion with part one. This Sunday, April 3rd at 2.30 p.m., a mass for journalists and their families covering the Ukraine conflict be held at St. Mary of the Lake Church on Chicago's north side. Joining us for this segment are Michael Puente, journalist and organizer of the special mass, and Michael Ruzicki, music director at St. Mary of the Lake and Our Lady of Our Lord's Parish. So to Michael and Michael, uh, welcome to the program this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. And oh, I'm sorry, uh, my video is not working, but um, at least you can hear me. We can hear you loud and clear. So uh, now, could one of you maybe give us the uh, origin? Whose idea was this for this mass? And um, feel free to tell us how anything came about. So which Michael's going to take it? Well, um, this is Michael Puente. I'm not trying to take credit for anything, but... Um, I guess it. I guess it was my idea to uh, have this mass, and uh, you know, I'm not sitting here wanting to take the credit. It just, um, I just kind of felt like, as a journalist, I've been a longtime journalist in the Chicago area, radio reporter, print. That, you know, you see the conflict going on in Russia, and you you feel kind of helpless. Uh, I know people who are covering it, and um, when the news came out that the filmmaker Brent Reynold mm -hmm. passed away mm -hmm. and some other, two other journalists, I think two from Fox News, um, died, you just feel like, you know, there's not much we can do, but we can at least offer prayer. And so I reached out to the diocese and we got this ball rolling to at least have a mass for journalists, not not as a way to lift uh, their lives over the, the Ukrainians who are suffering through this, but if no one's going to remember or pray for the lives of journalists, who will? Then other journalists and their families. So I figured, why not? You know, it's interesting you say that, Michael, because you know, we take for granted with the conflict going on, we've been praying for the um, men, women, children, the soldiers on both sides, mm -hmm. and pray for the end of it. But sometimes we forget about those on the front lines who are covering day in and day out, and lives are lost or the ones that get injured from shrapnel or just, uh, you know, falling bricks. And <laughs> just like many times we've watched during a hurricane, a reporter by the shore 
with 90 mile an hour winds and they're getting almost blown away and they are risking their lives. Well, certainly with the Ukrainian conflict, they're on the front lines. And so um, I think this is a tremendous idea. And then Michael Rizicki, you are the music director. So your position is to kind of bring the whole thing together musically. Say more about that, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. This opportunity for us to just respond in prayer, as you were just mentioning about the previous segment, to promote the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So even when we're looking at planning the music for this Sunday, of course, we have the fifth Sunday of Lent, but that that fruit of the Holy Spirit of peace is going to be proclaimed through our prayers, through our music. But it, it's especially on um, the threshold of Holy Week coming up, right? We bring, of course, our lives, our sufferings, and our death, but we bring our resurrections to the liturgy. And that's, I think, what Michael is just mentioning is all of this Paschal mystery. So uh, whether we're responding in song or in silence, that's what we do is we come together, together. So now, while we have the fifth Sunday, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, Michael, uh, because music is a is part of our language in terms of consoling people. Sure. Uh, I've seen it so many times. What can you, I mean, maybe what kind of selections would you choose for a liturgy like that um, that would speak to people about not only their pain and suffering, but hopefully a desire toward a peace, more peaceful world? Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, one of the pieces that we've been looking at is, um, of course, that ancient text of the Ubi Caritas. Oh. And one of the English translations, let strife among us be unknown. Let all contention cease mm -hmm. because d God dwelling in his son is here joining our members together. So I think it's even looking at our ancient texts mm -hmm. and see how they mean so much to us in this exact very moment. And of course, then you you bring up something like uh, the, the wonderful text of the prayer of St. Francis and how just that still resonates to mm -hmm. us all these centuries later. Now, along those lines for uh, Michael Puente, how can people be part of this on Sunday at 2.30, Michael? Well, they, they, could, um, they could attend. It's gonna be at St. Mary's of the Lake uh, Catholic Church in Uptown. Uh, starting at 2.30. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be streamed yet. I know the, the, the church uh, has a streaming capacity, um, but um, I, I think that's a way. Michael's uh, shaking his head like, uh, yeah, they do have streaming, so perhaps you can see it on stream if you can't be there a lot. And now, same where the lake is located, we're in, on the northwest side. What street? We are at 4220 North Sheridan, right at the intersection of Buena. We, we don't have a lot of time, I'm sorry, Michael Puente, what are yeah. your colleagues over there telling you? What are they seeing? Well, they, they see a lot of, you know, destruction. They see a lot of, uh, you know, heartache. Um, it's, a, it's a dangerous time, you know, because um, as Father was mentioning earlier, um, you know, we, we, we do see reporters put their lives at risk when they're covering a hurricane and everything, but I always view the the war correspondent as, as just a different breed of person that I would agree. They really do it just just they do it not not for the glitz or glamour. To me, this is this is uh, quintessential journalism. Mm -hmm. This is getting information out that people need 
that the powers that be may not want you to hear, but and at any moment a bomb can hit you. Yeah. Um, you go, and some of the I'm sure some of these reporters, journalists are going in there. They don't know too much of the language or the lay of the land. They just know that they're on a mission, and um, I think it's just just a, a selfless mission in, in many ways. Now, Michael, who's going to be the uh, the main presider for Sunday's two thirty mass? Our father, uh, our pastor, Father Manny Durantes, will be the principal celebrant at Mass. Now, Father Manny's a wonderful priest, filled with a lot of energy and ideas. And, uh, you know, to both of you, I think this is an incredibly wonderful yeah, idea. I agree. So and very important because these war correspondents are literally putting their life on the line to make such a difference. And uh, now, Michael Puente. You had this idea, what, a couple of weeks ago, and you brought it to Father Manny? I actually reached out to uh, Viz Garasoli, who's a uh, reporter oh. uh, with uh, Channel 2, and um, I, I, you know, not because I had a personal relationship, I, I, obviously I know his name, and I just said, you know, Vince, um, I had this idea of wanting to do a Mass, because obviously if you go through the Catholic faith, you know that you know, we say masses for our parents who may have been gone or loved ones who, so I figured what, you know, we say masses in the name of a lot of people. Why not, why not journalists who, who are there and their families or those who have already perished, whether they're Catholic or not, you know, I don't know too much of their background and, but I know Catholic is a very universal uh, religion. It's when I grew up in and it's meant as to honor them and to remember them and to honor their work not there's no other you know, reason to do this so then vince got a hold of his people in the uh, archdiocese and uh then we, we got a whole um father at the uh, saint mary's of the lake so um that's how it all got started. it actually came together actually rather quick actually. we want to thank in a very special way michael puente journalist and organizer of the mass this sunday at uh 2 30 p.m april 3rd at St. Mary of the Lake Parish in Chicago. And also special thank you to Michael Rizicki, the music director at St. Mary of the Lake and Our Lady of Lourdes. So to Michael and Michael, thank you very much <laughs> for joining us in the program. May God bless you, and our prayers are with both of you, and we'll be there present Sunday in spirit. So thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To continue along that line, with the name Vince Girasoli being mentioned, the number is staggering. Over 4 million refugees have fled the Ukraine since Russia invaded and war broke out a little more than a month ago. It's a number that has grown with each passing day. Catholic Relief Services has been on the ground helping neighboring countries tackle this monumental task of housing and aiding these families. Just last week, our very own Vince Girasoli spoke with a Chicago woman on the front lines of that effort in Eastern Europe. Here now is that interview. As of this recording, over two and a half million refugees have fled Ukraine since the invasion of Russia and the conflict began in their country. They have left for neighboring countries that have been offering relief aid. A number of organizations have already been on the ground helping them in what is expected to be a massive humanitarian effort. Even more refugees are expected to cross the border in the days and the weeks ahead if there is no resolution to this current conflict. Among those organizations on the ground is Catholic Relief Services. And we're going to check in now with 
with one of their staffers who is Chicago-based, but right now she finds herself in the country of Moldova, and she's helping with services there. She's helping get assistance, getting assistance to refugees, and she's also coordinating communications efforts. So Caroline Brennan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate that you're taking time. You know, I think uh, the question that really comes to my mind first is what are conditions like there for refugees right now? It is um, really uh, kind of like a living nightmare, to be honest, Vince. Um, I spent a lot of the past week along the border areas and also here in the capital city where many refugees have sought refuge. But um, just to paint a picture for you along the border areas where people are crossing, first of all, it's taken hours, if not days, to reach border cities here in Moldova to cross. They wait in line for, for maybe more than a day. Many people are arriving on foot if they don't have a car. Um, the waves of people that you see now fleeing the country are many of those who didn't have the means to flee earlier. So they didn't have transportation, their own personal vehicles or family or network to go and stay with. So they're traveling either on foot or on public transportation um, and really at the mercy of charity that's available to them. When they cross over into this country, you know, you just you see a lot of exhaustion. Um, a lot of women and children, a lot men of a certain age are not allowed to leave the country. So you have a lot of um, mothers on their own with a lot of children or with their elderly parents or their elderly in-laws that they're taking care of and just figuring out where to go, who to trust. That's what I was interested in is what is their frame of mind? Are they frightened? Are they relieved to be outside of Ukraine? I, I, I imagine it's a, a mix of those different emotions. I think it's despair. It's a lot of heartbreak, uh, weeping. You see just bloodshot eyes, um, just still crying. You just see a lot of emotions right at the surface. And then just a lot of um, trying to figure out what's next. Confusion is not the right word. It's really just trying to navigate this space that you're in. So first, just trying to get warm. It's very cold here. I'm in a vest. I've been like in a vest for two weeks almost straight. I haven't taken this thing off. It's freezing and here I am in a warm space. Uh, many people are outside and they have been for a long time. So they're looking for warmth. Maybe that's inside a small bus station or some shop. Uh, they're looking for food to feed their kids, uh, maybe a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Like that's first and foremost, just like warming up, figuring out just where you are and who is around to help you. What kind of aid can you offer those folks and how do you get to them and how do they get to you? So we have, there are volunteers all along these border areas providing information that's so critical to have that information, just to know again, where you can go, what transportation might be available to you to get to a safe place to have a Wi-Fi spot to charge your phone so you can let your family members, maybe your husband or your father or your partner back home know that you made it, that you're um, on your way to some form of safety. So the aid in that first step, literally first steps into this country is information, help, literally letting people know you are a trusted source to help, food, blankets, water, coffee, we're talking basic essentials. And then from there, we offer 
sort of more formal assistance. So uh, like um, accommodation centers, uh, places to have shelter, uh, food, to be able to rest for a few hours, a few nights, um, transportation to get to another border, um, a range of assistance, counseling, and even trauma counseling for parents and families. And what we're looking at now, Vince, is sort of a long, like not longer term, but transitional period of people who are looking to maybe stay for an extended period here um, in hopes they can return home. So what does that shelter look like for them? And what is a dignified, safe space to be in? Is it something where they plan to remain in Moldova where you are, or are they dispersing to other areas, other countries and other cities? A majority are going to Romania. So they're just crossing through in hopes of getting, you know, into the EU, um, getting to another country. And then many those who have less means, frankly, who have less financial resources, are staying closer to the border, staying closer to home with the hope of returning. I think what's lost on some folks is that among those who left early and in this first wave were people of means, correct? There were people who had a place to go, not all of them, but a number of them. And there's concern that mm -hmm. there will be even more with fewer choices or fewer resources available to them as this situation continues to, to ride out, correct? That's exactly right. Um, I mean, a majority of people. And what's so incredible is just the outpouring of, first of all, generosity across cities like Chicago, across the United States, across the world towards what's happening. But here in Moldova, I am just blown away by the generosity of community members here. And so many families have taken in Ukrainian refugee families. I, family seems, it doesn't capture it because they're not whole. You know, you have pieces of a family staying, but to be able to be inside a home, um, to have that privacy, to collect yourself, to grieve, to have really tough conversations maybe with your children and your loved ones, to have somebody sharing a meal with you and showing you kindness um, is, is everything uh, when you are really at the mercy of charity of others. And um, the, those who are fleeing now, and, and in general, those who are fleeing Ukraine are extremely vulnerable you've only left with what you could carry if you had a car or if you didn't whatever you could carry is what you left with and and the decisions you're having to make as your family is torn apart and your country is torn apart is there is just is is devastating heartbreaking we hear so much though about this love of country and love of ukraine are most of these people hoping to go back expecting to go back yes yes Yes, a thousand percent yes. Nobody wanted to leave their home in this way. Um, and you meet with mothers here, staying in shelters and hoping to go back soon. And you can only pray and, and wish that that will be soon. Um, but it is just um, so hard to imagine the decisions they're having to make with such exhaustion, you know, we, we all know what it's like when we haven't had enough sleep or enough food or we're just going through a hard time and then you're having to make these monumental decisions that could change the trajectory of your life. How far do you go? Do you seek asylum somewhere else? Well, your 
children be speaking that language? Will these be your new opportunities? Or do you stay and plan to go back? And maybe you can't. I mean, these are just such huge decisions that you're making without your love, all of your loved ones at your side and certainly not your partner at your side because he may have had to stay back. And it's just that torment of how to explain to your children why you're sleeping in a car and how to go to the bathroom outside and why that's okay here. It's just the conversations you never would have imagined having. And it happened like that. Uh, a month ago, they were living their normal everyday lives, uh, not unlike our own, and, and things have changed just yes. massively. What's it like? What's the crew like from Catholic Relief Services on the ground? How many folks do you have there and how are you providing the aid? Well, I'm so proud of our team and we're here with Caritas Moldova. So um, Sierra's had an office here, a smaller office uh, before this crisis. And we've always worked with our church partner, Caritas Moldova here, which is an incredible partner. So now our team is really diverse. It's all of these staff from across the world. So from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Greece, from Chile, from Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, you name it. I mean, all coming in to offer their technical areas of expertise to support our partner as they ramp up operations at a level unexpected um, to be able to uphold that efficiency that we all strive for, but while meeting these urgent needs. So we're all here to help allow that to happen um, in terms of providing that support. So you have staff from all over Europe, all over the world. Uh, many who are have been refugees themselves. Um, we have Ukrainian refugees among our staff, Iraqi refugees um, who are Sierra staff. And um, we're all here supporting our Moldovan staff who are living through this. You have your staff on the ground. How do you interact with the refugees? Do you get them into shelter? Do you help get them to another country? Uh, do you help provide mm -hmm. them with a, a telephone or, or blankets or food? Yes, yeah, so we we provide first we very much interact. You know, we want to let people know they are welcome. There are people who see them, who want to support them, and um, we are here for them. So we are all of our staff. Most of our staff here are speaking the local languages here. Um, we offer those items you just mentioned at the border. So blankets, supplies, coffee, food, and transportation. So transportation from the border to a caritas or CRS supported center in the city um, where they can have shelter and stay. Um, these are really nice sort of spaces. They're almost like a modest hostel. So you have a privacy of a room with your family. You have a place to take a shower. You have a hot meal. You don't have to open a plastic wrapper in order to eat. Um, you have a counselor on site um, and social workers who know uh, the lay of the land, what options you have, what rights you have in any direction you decide to go. And then we also offer transportation to the Romanian uh, border for those who want to go on so that's safe, um, a trusted source of transportation. And now we're also offering cash assistance as well so people can purchase items that they might need. And that expansion now is, the relief is growing into different ways, but it covers that urgent support to what is um, sort of this transitional period. Is there a particular interaction you've had with a refugee family or a particular refugee that just sticks with you? Yes, I have two. One, my first day actually at the border where I met in one of these busy bus stations, this man who was in his 60s charging his phone and he really wanted to talk and he 
said um, he had arrived a few days ago and he said, can I show you where I'm living with my grandchildren? And I said, of course. And we walked uh, out of the bus station to a parking lot, a dirt parking lot. And he, and there in the car were, were two adorable children who were under the age of five and his wife. And he said, we've been sleeping in this car for the past two nights. Um, he has to explain to his children why all of this is happening. And he said, and, and this is not the first time I've had to do this. He said, I fled Azerbaijan to Ukraine as a refugee and have been living there for 20 years. And now he's fleeing his homeland again. And he said, where do I go? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. And so that was my first day. And then yesterday I met with a Moldovan man who's in his 60s, who was hosting a Ukrainian a woman and her daughter. And he's single, living on his own, a pensioner, living off his pension. And he had a, uh, he was hosting a woman who was maybe in her 30s. And she had a young two-year-old daughter whose name was Victoria or Victory, as they call her here. And he said, you know, I have the sounds of children in my house again. And she was describing like what it means to have a private space just to kind of, you know, collect yourself and figure out what to do. And he is like many Moldovans who've taken in Ukrainian refugees and is so generous. And CRS is now supporting Moldovans who take in refugees into their home by supporting some of the costs for heat and food and things of that nature. And so we're establishing these agreements in different cities and towns that have a flat rate for those who take in refugees to help with those expensive costs, especially when it's really cold and winter here. And so um, just the generosity of Moldovans here and then just the pursuit and uh, integrity of Ukrainians who are just navigating something they never thought they would be living through. Do you have all the resources that you need? It's hard to know how this emergency will grow. I mean, we are working in Ukraine and across the region, Poland and Romania. And so our Caritas partners are, are ramping up operations. We are providing here from Moldova a, a caravan of goods into our Ukraine to our Caritas partner. Caritas Poland is doing the same thing, a pipeline of goods, a convoy going into Caritas, into Ukraine to reach our Caritas partners there. So we're doing what we can to help each other. Um, it is really hard to know. We hope we have, we, you know, we are, we are planning for whatever is needed. And uh, we're in the early stages of our outreach, of our engagement with our donor community. But it's, I think, I think support is going to be needed at a level. I hope, I think support is going to be needed at, at a high level. And um, we just have to see what's happened. But we will be there no matter what. We will be here with the Ukrainians and with our our partners who are so tirelessly and, and generously helping them. The Catholic Church is the presence is incredible. It is unlike any other organization, Caritas, here, and the the presence that they have and the role they have across this region is unparalleled. And that trust at that community level, the the rich understanding of communities where they've been serving and they're of these communities, um, it is so critical to be able to address needs um, with the wisdom that's required and the dignity to uphold, which is something we all strive for within our work. 
You know, something that's not lost on me, and you're talking about the generosity of the people of Moldova. Moldova is not the wealthiest of countries to begin with. In fact, I, I understand, I was doing some reading, I think it is among the poorest in the area, and yet there is this willingness to help the refugees as they cross the border. You're exactly, it's the poorest country in Europe, Moldova, and yet everywhere, like at any border, you see hundreds of Moldovan civilian volunteers who've left their work for that day, who've made the meals at their home, who are spending their time there uh, providing this food and these the warm coffee and the information, wearing a vest to let them know, you know, we're official, we're here speaking the local language. Um, it is incredible. And then the, those bringing into their homes and sharing their rooms and their kitchens and their meals and eating at the same dining room table. And then so many of my Moldovan colleagues who are just working night and day, this was something they also hadn't planned for in their professional careers to now be working 24 seven, having all of us come into their offices and break their coffee machine, you know, twice over now. And, um, but we're all like living as family. And um, I, I had no idea three weeks ago, I would have had such connection to Moldova, but if I had a chance to, you know, have a second passport, uh, sign me up. I am so in awe of the Moldovan. I, I, I do not say this lightly. I'm just so in awe of the Moldovan people and of this country and the communities here. It is, it is so inspiring and to it, all of us. In the headlines, we hear so much about refugees crossing the border in Poland, but Poland is not the only point where refugees are crossing. Uh, there are people crossing uh, south of that area as well. There's a crossing in Hungary, uh, this, this crossing in, in border crossing in Moldova. Uh, are you seeing people who were uh, are you seeing people who were uh, afraid that the lines were too long in Poland and had to make a more circuitous route to Moldova? Is that what you're finding? Actually, what we're finding now is that people are getting on buses and they're being told they're going to one location. And they show up at a different border, different country altogether. It is um, so chaotic inside Ukraine. There's such a high level of fear. People are just getting on the transportation they can get on. And they might be told they're going in one direction, but they end up at another. And that happened to our colleague who went to go meet her parents from Kiev at the border. And they ended up at a entirely different part of the country. Um, and so there's just so much confusion and so much desperation. You know, you're just literally fleeing for your life. And so you just get on that route out and then you end up somewhere else and you just hope, well, you'll be okay here. Um, so what we're finding, a majority are heading towards Poland and more than half of all of the refugee population, but definitely you have higher numbers coming in other areas as well. And it'll just be interesting to see how how that grows and changes over time. A lot of it is just luck or what happens on their journey, not necessarily planned. Well, Caroline Brennan, we thank you and Catholic Relief Services for uh, the good work you're doing in what is truly a humanitarian crisis, uh, something that I don't think uh, so many people could foresee this type of need uh, just a few months ago. And uh, mm. so many folks 
here in the United States are uh, offering help and support. I, I know that a number of our schools here in the Chicago area, a number of our churches have been sponsoring drives and, and uh, been collecting items and sending them to organizations like yours to, to try to help the refugees as their numbers mount at the borders. I want to thank you so very much for speaking with us today, and uh, I hope that you stay safe as well. Thank you so much. And I just want to let you know, we feel the support. We really, really, really do. And that means so much. And, you know, all a little goes a long way here. You know, if you are cold and you are given a blanket or your children are hungry and you're given food, that is everything. So I just want to thank you so much to my Chicagoans, fellow Chicagoans, but so many of you, um, we feel it. Um, we're grateful. It's needed. People are very grateful here, very, very grateful uh, for just kindness and um, recognition that there is a need. And so much of the attention can be on the physical destruction of war and changing front lines and all of those things that are very important. But what's so critical for so many is just the emotional needs within a, hum within a person and within that family unit and just having that strength to get from today to tomorrow and then figuring out what to do then and so that support for those moments in time to be present to show that you are there and you are with them i'm not just giving you food but i'm with you in this moment it means it means a lot caroline thank you so very much once again please stay safe and thank you for the very important and loving work We'd like to thank Vince Girasoli for that wonderful, heartfelt interview with Caroline. Um, very gripping and all that's happening. And as I said earlier in the program, our prayers go out to the people of Ukraine. We pray for the end of the conflict um, happening in the Ukraine. Lives are being lost. People are leaving by the thousands their home. The very thought of having a city blown up, loved ones have died, you can't even comprehend that. And so having the dedication of the consecration of all humanity and Ukrainian people in Russia, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, is so important. And I thought a good way to close the program today, I've always had a tremendous devotion to the Blessed Mother since I was a boy, I always carry a rosary in my pocket. If we could maybe close our program this morning with three Hail Marys. Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Special thanks to our co-host, Mark Teresi. Special thanks to the great work of our producers and engineers, Javi Garcia and Brian Hockey Hitman Brock. So to our listeners, may God bless you. Pray for an end to the Ukrainian conflict. God bless you. Continued Lenten blessings. Have a wonderful day. 
Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.